just like just just bullied so bad dude like I would get messages on Facebook um like people saying I should go kill myself like that I shouldn't even like that I shouldn't be here that kind of shit wow um it was really bad um and then like at school it was bad too like no one wanted to be around me there were like pretty terrible things done to me and said to me um yeah no and like it kind of continued into high school like I had friends a little bit um but not really like I was friends with these three girls freshman year but like that summer like one of them dated my boyfriend and they took all like the shit I got for him and like burned it and put the pictures on Facebook and tagged me in it Wow! and like no it was bad like lot just like so much shit and so like I um tried killing myself then like I like took all these pills and like alcohol and I was only 15 so I didn't really know what I was doing but I was sent to a psych ward then um that was horrific too like so I don't know if this is legal I don't know if it was legal then I know it's not legal now but like um they the first night I was there I was like a little attorney like I I took the patient manual and read through it and I found a page that said I had the right to a phone call and so I was like I want to I want to call my mom so I can leave um and they wouldn't let me so I sat down in a chair and I was like, okay, I'm not moving until I get a phone call. And these four big guards came. And when I said I wasn't leaving the chair, they picked me up, um, like, in the chair and took me into this room that was just, like, cement. It was just, like, a cement floor, cement walls, no window, um, and one blue mat. Um, and the camera's looking up at you. Um, or up at you, down at you. Um and it was called the quiet room. Um, that's where they put the ki- the yeah the people causing trouble. Oh my goodness! I'm so glad you're here. I- I'm actually looking for friends, and I was wondering if anybody else is feeling lonely. I'm not an insane person. Wink, wink. Wow. Pretty incredible stuff that Laura shared there about her experiences in the uh, mental hospital. I was blown away by the uh, stuff that she shared about the stuff she went through in high school with all the bullying and her multiple attempts at suicide. Um, Okay, so I'm going to add some narration before we get going. I'd like to say kind of first off that I did a bit of like timeline hopping. I like to have a chronological order and whatnot. Um, I just I really like having a timeline, and if you if you hate that, then this podcast isn't for you. That being said, I I, I just sometimes jump around, and I it may feel a bit clunky. But to help my listeners get the most out of this content, I'm gonna give a mini table of contents of sorts, so you know what to expect. Okay, so first off, her main two things are stand up and law school. She's studying to be a lawyer while performing stand up comedy in the evenings. Early on in the interview, we discussed the connection between these two things. So I have a question for you, person listening to this. What do you think is the connection between stand-up comedy and being a lawyer? Her dad makes the uh, top 100 list of lawyers in the nation, and now she's on her way to go to places as well. However, currently she is struggling academically. 
we all have had times we weren't at our best due to outside circumstances and it affected our, our school in a big way. And it's pretty cool that despite her struggles, she still managed to find the time to perform Sin of Comedy. We talked about Dante Barnett, who I interviewed on episode 5, and I used to like him and I don't anymore and you'll see why. Next, Laura and I get into her current issues with depression and her depression medication. On a related note, she's had bad experiences with the withdrawal symptoms of coming off of Xanax and how going through that um, by joining a narcotics anonymous community, she was able to get through it. Before moving to Seattle, she was involved in the uh, Denver and Iowa comedy scenes. Pretty interesting to to hear how um, each of these scenes kind of compares and contrasts for better or for worse, so to speak. Towards the end, she talks about being sexually assaulted several times growing up. And despite such a horrible set of experiences, she is thriving, alive and well, and brave enough to talk about it. Without further ado, this is Laura Lyons. Um, what were the other podcasts you were on? Um, the last one I was on was Casey Judson's. Mm-hmm. Um, and we fought about Me Too. Like, it got really bad, I guess. Um, mm. Just, uh, we disagreed about a lot mm. in regards to the Me Too movement. Like what? Um, he just uh, didn't think it was a big deal um, that women were uh, being harassed at mics and stuff. Or he thought that women were going like too far. and um, mm. It was just we did not see eye to eye on it. Mm, yeah, that's, that's too bad. That's, I'd have to hear more context. I'm trying to be as diplomatic as possible because, <laughs> like, I like Casey. He's great. It's just he doesn't – like, and I, I think it's unfair of me to assume that men – would understand um like literally like literally two weeks ago there was a guy who had like done some shitty stuff to me in denver like he was here in seattle and i showed up i walk in and he's there and he's on the list to go up at the mic and it's like that's a predator who's still in society and women just have to deal with that if they want to be in comedy like they have to just deal with walking into a show and a predator or someone who's like done something really shady to them just might be there and that's something men will never understand and I think a lot of men are like oh well if they really did something they'd be in jail or like Mm. why didn't you call the cops and it's like well I tried everything and unfortunately life's just well if you felt scared and uncomfortable you had reason to to be so yeah yeah uh fucking yeah Fuck Casey. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. I like Casey, but And so you yeah, you were originally over in Denver. You came over to Seattle. Was it to get away from that guy? Um, no, that was a benefit of it though. Um, I'm here for law school mm-hmm. and like I only apply to places that are like in a good comedy scene and I heard good things about Seattle comedy, so yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so awesome. Uh huh. Um, did you apply uh, to a lot of different places then for law school? Did Was this your first pick? or? Oh, no, I was rejected from everywhere. So <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to Seattle. <laughs> um, but yeah, I tried because I heard good things about New Orleans and San Francisco, Denver. I applied there because uh, the comedy is really, really good. Um, but I didn't really get in anywhere um, except for Seattle. But it's good that I got in. Um, yeah. So if I'm understanding you right, you just kind of applied to a lot of the major metropolitan cities. Yeah. And then the comedy was, of course, kind of to second to that because you first got to get in school and whatnot. Is that accurate? 
Yeah, they're both like the same level of commitment and dedication and priority. Um, mm-hmm. So I wasn't going to go to law school in a place where I couldn't do comedy. That makes sense. Yeah. And um, how much are, are you doing comedy then? Uh, it varies. Um, I try to get up a couple times a week. Um, when I'm not in school, I'll get up every night. Mm-hmm. Usually I'll get up a couple times or I'll try. Yeah. Pretty interesting combination. <laughs> yeah. I want to bite it. <laughs> you can bite it, I guess. I don't think, you, no. <laughs> I take it back, actually. I don't want you to do it. I'm, I'm scared. Yeah, There's I don't nice have mics. money to <laughs> pay for that, to fix it. <laughs> You're talking on it for a second. <laughs> Oh my now, now this will make people have to watch the, the YouTube thing because they'll be like, wait a second, what are they talking about? Yeah, 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 no, for, <laughs> for, for real. Um, so that's an interesting combination. I mean, there is definitely some, some crossover between law and with uh, stand-up comedy. Yeah, every time I feel helpless, I'll look up all the comedians who um, also have law degrees. Dimitri Martin? Yes, uh-huh. Greg Giraldo. Uh, that's like the two I look up and I feel better. <laughs> so, but like there's also other comics who are like doctors and stuff. And so it's not like that absurd. Um, I know a lot of people wanted me to like quit comedy when I decided to go to law school. But I was like, well, now I'm not. And now I might get kicked out of law school. That's a different thing. It's fine. No big deal. Yeah. But if I get kicked out of law school, at least I'll be a lot funnier because I'll be like, have so much time to do mics and shit. Yeah. Only a comedian would say something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, at least I get to live in my car. Go to open mics. <laughs> um, how far into your schooling are you? Is it your first year? Then? Yeah, it's my first year. Mm-hmm. And um, overall, are you, you liking it so no, far? No, God, it's the worst. <laughs> like, <laughs> no. I, uh, I wish I were good enough at comedy so that I didn't have to go to law school. I do like, I like the law, and I think I'll be a good attorney. Um, it's just, like, so petty and... I really hate everyone I go to school with. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to make you look good. So I don't know if people are going to hear that and they're going, oh, well, geez, now I shouldn't go talk to her. You must have some friends in law school that you like. Yeah, one of them is uh, dating one of our comic friends, uh-huh. Levi Manis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love Levi. Yeah, dude, me too. Like, <laughs> it makes me really happy they're dating. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so where where does the connection, as you see it, then between being a lawyer and stand up comedy? Obviously, both are involved oh. getting you know in front of people with kind of a prepared script and sort of making a case. What do you think? I think they both hate themselves, <laughs> and that's the honest truth. I'm like, there's no way normal people would be into this. Like with comedy, like you're in these unhealthy environments, hours every single night, like to do three, five minutes, right? And you do that every night for years and years and years. And law's the same. Like you have these these people you work for who hate you sometimes and it's like everyone around, like everyone hates attorneys and it's like you're just trying to do a good job you're just trying to do a good job and it's like everyone hates you still and yet you still keep doing it I think both lawyers and comedians are addicted to pain and that lifestyle and both are like fast-paced lifestyles lots of drugs lots of like drama um, hmm. like I love both I'm never like I don't want to quit both I don't yeah I would not quit either so I do stand-up comedy, so it's easier for me to understand um, probably your, your, you know, what you love about stand-up comedy. 
but um, as far as being a lawyer, that that seems kind of out of left field. I mean, I know in theory that those are still kind of connected, but I don't quite understand the connection just yet. I mean, could you kind of tell me more? I mean, where did your passion for it even even start? Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, I think I I read To Kill a Mockingbird, and that was, like, a really good book. And so I think I was just like, oh, I want to do the right thing. Like, you know how a lot of comics will go into and be like, I want to have a message before they just start doing, like, dick jokes on the reg. Like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's how I am. Like, I just want to do the right thing and do good and help people. Um, I haven't been corrupted yet, and I... Uh, there's a class you take in law school that essentially teaches you how to get away with really sleazy things. And I haven't taken that course yet. That's second year. Um, but after I take that, I'll probably. So you want to help people. Why? Until I take <laughs> that class. Yes. Why is becoming a lawyer the way that you chose to help people? Um, because I think people need lawyers and I want to feel needed and wanted. There are other professions where you can feel <laughs> Are there? <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. I think there's also, like, I want to be in a position of power. <laughs> I know that's terrible, but, like, like I, I, I think I've faced a lot of, like, shit in my life where I was helpless and powerless. And so by being an attorney, like, no one can say I'm helpless anymore. No one can walk all over me. I'm super empowered. Hmm. Okay. Huh. That's interesting. Are there other similar professions where you could be in a kind of empowered state or whatnot? Other, what, what, was, what was your other second choice? Nothing? No. Yeah. Comedy, I guess. But it's not, it's not like a second choice. They're like the same choice, um, which is why I'm driving myself crazy doing both. Like, I don't sleep. So that's good. I want to stick with this, though. So if your goal is to kind of have um, some power and autonomy because you don't like it, when you're in other situations where you didn't have that, um, you could do anything that makes you a lot of money and you'd have power, right? Yeah, I honestly don't know what I'm good enough at to make a lot of money doing it, though. Like, I love reading and writing, and I have always, like, written poetry and um, stories and whatnot, but, like, the most I've ever made doing that's, like, a 100 bucks, so... Mm -hmm can't really do that and there, yeah there and isn't a lot of I, I mean if we're going to use that word power i mean you know there, there's autonomy and then there's power is it specifically power because that's when you have the the difference between autonomy and power is when you have power over somebody versus just autonomy is power to do kind of whatever you want freedom just just within yourself so is it authority over others that you aspire for or autonomy for yourself both Okay. I want people to do things for me. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> well, with money you can do that. So like, there yeah. must have, there must be something. I feel like there's something else in there. I could strip, but like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there we go. So if you if you strip, then you get a lot of money from that. Then, ironically, you make yourself vulnerable at first. Um, and you know naked in front of strangers but then you have this power by getting money from that you didn't go that route no I mean I kind of tried with that whole like 
when I was 18, I worked at Hooters, and I tried that, and I hated it. Like, it sucked that I wanted to have conversations with people, and they just wanted to look at my boobs. <laughs> so, like, that life is not for me. If it's for anyone else, that's cool, but fuck it, I'm just not. Why didn't you like it? Because I wanted to have conversations with people. I wanted friends. I didn't want people to look at my tits. <laughs> okay, I see. Um, okay, that's something I want to ask you about, too, then. I mean... From a guy's point of view, I I don't really have the the option, or at least, you know, for I mean, unless I got jacked and was just like this massively ripped, good-looking dude or whatever, like there's no option for. I a, would a, pay to see you. Naked. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of me but you can see where I'm going with this, though, right? Um, from a female's point of view, you kind of have the option to sell your looks. You know, from a guy's point, you don't. What? What does that look like from a female's point of view? Is it is it sort of degrading? Is it empowering? Like, what is that? I think it depends on the woman. Like, I don't know. Fucking, I know some people who do comedy in this scene who are very successful sex workers, and that is awesome. But, like, I tried to do that sugar daddy thing. Like, I got the app and everything. And then I was talking to someone in Dubai and got very scared because they wanted me to send pictures of my vagina for, like, $2,000 a month. And I was not about it. So, like, it's just not for me. I can't do it. And, like, that's a decent amount of money. And I'm just like, dude, I I don't know why it bothered me so much. It just does. I think it's great if it doesn't bother you. Then you can make money that way. And Mm -hmm. Like, I mean... I know it's cliche, but so many women, like, do that shit for free. Like, why not make money doing it? But, mm-hmm. meh. Okay, I got you. Um, well, I, I feel like there's still some more in there. I mean, what what has been, like, your, your favorite moment as a, a lawyer so far, then? As a law student, my favorite moment was this Facebook fight I was on. Um, and they were trying to, like, this one guy was trying to give landlord tenant law, and I was like, that's not how any of this works. <laughs> and I was able to mansplain the law, and, like, I felt great. Like, most of my lawyering so far has been, like, proving people wrong on Facebook. So, worth okay. it, 100%. Even if I get kicked out this semester. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so there's kind of an aspect of, do you like, do you like chess? Oh, yeah. I love chess. We can play chess right now. I love it. (laughs) Maybe after, yeah. I'll I'll play chess, yeah. Oh, my God. That's so sweet. (laughs) It's literally my favorite game. I have a chess board. Like, ask many of the comics. I've tried to get them to sleep over so we can have, like, chess matches. (laughs) It's only happened once, but it was, like, super fun. And I, yeah, I love chess. You crack me up. You're like Sid. I don't know. Something about both of you guys just kind of cracks me up. I love Sid, dude. I love Sid, yeah. Ah, good. What a great guy. Um... Okay, so where I was going with that is okay. that you, you, like, you like the idea of there being a winner and a loser then. Yes, and I want to be the winner. <laughs> yeah. Okay, because it's like, um, well, are there winners and losers, right? Because Nietzsche yeah. was all like, there isn't good or evil. There's just power and those who refuse to see it. I think that slipped into Voldemort a little bit, but it's like the same. <laughs> Voldemort got it from Nietzsche, and but it's like the whole idea that like a plant isn't bad for crushing other plants around it to get sunlight. And so I want to be the plant that crushes the other plants to get sunlight and is not necessarily good or bad. It's just how life is. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where to start with that. <laughs> Could you explain more? Um, yeah, so... Let me just check this really quick. Okay, yeah, for sure. Should I keep talking to the microphone? Um... 
Yeah. I, I can. Okay. So here's the thing about good and evil and power. Um, people who think people are bad typically are the ones without power, and they think it's cruel and unfair that people step on them. But the people in power don't see themselves as bad. They see that they're using their abilities to their benefit. And therefore, I want to be the one who uses their abilities to their benefit. Although Aristotle, and I think also Nietzsche, said that women couldn't actually be masters. Because, right, the world's masters and slaves. Everyone falls into that category. And you're either born a master or born a slave. I think all women are born slaves. Wait a second. That's not true. (laughs) Okay. uh, uh, It's it's philosophy that doesn't... It's not relevant anymore. I don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Um, So... In the example of <laughs> where you um, uh, like prove the guy wrong on on Facebook. Oh yeah, that was great. Were you advocating for somebody? Were, was it a win for yourself? Was it a win for somebody else? Uh, in this particular situation, I was just being a know-it-all. Um, have I used my powers for good? Yes. You don't I- have powers. Exactly. That's why I'm trying to be a lawyer, trying to get power. Full circle. Uh, Do you understand? You uh, understand. So you you kind of proved him wrong. Um, were you advocating for somebody else? In this scenario, no. Not in this particular one. But usually it is because I hate injustice. I really, really do. Like some fucked up shit happens to me like as like growing up and like I want to prevent others from enduring that kind of pain and suffering. And so I'll try to, like, step in where I can, if I'm being honest. Okay. Um, Is there an example of a time that you've done that so far? Is your time sort of being a lawyer? Or Uh, a lawyer in training? Yes, lawyer in training. Um, Let's go back to Facebook. So, like, I don't like... um, don't like when people get picked on. I don't like when people start piling on on one person, even if they're in the wrong. Um, so there have been times where I've either privately messaged someone and been like, back the fuck off. And like, now I feel like I'm just like stroking my ego too much by being like, I'm such a good person. Look at these good things I've done. So stopping bullies. Yeah. Like, fuck bullies, dude. Fuck bullies. Okay. So I hate those guys. <laughs> Um, okay, but continue. No, that's, like, it. Like, I'll just, like, try to stop abuse, essentially. Like, even with fucking Dante that night. Like, uh, there was a night where this comic beat up an audience member. Like, not beat up, but, like, got in his face. Like, put his arms on him. Like, shit like that. It was just fucked up. And, like, like I tried to diffuse that situation. I don't know. I, I just hate it. Like, and I, I have this idea that, like, no one's going to hit me because I'm a, a girl. And that's not always true, but it's usually true. Um, I've only gotten hit a couple times, like, getting in the middle of people and trying to, like, bring peace back to the situation, diffuse it. Um, but, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about right now. I think that pill you gave me is, like, <laughs> fucking me up. It's supposed to make you finish sentences. Really? It seems more like a truth serum where you tell your whole life story to people who don't give a fuck. <sighs> yeah, it's uh, the on it. The, but it's, it's like a Joe Rogan thing. Yeah, dude. What? Is he a wizard? Like, what is this shit? <laughs> 
I'm already on Adderall. I don't know if I needed another stimulant. Like, I'm fucking... Uh, you took an Adderall, too? Yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. Should I not have taken both? Like, am I going to die? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I took one, too. So we're on the same level, actually. Yeah. You took an Adderall yeah. and that stimulant? <laughs> yeah. And... Wait, is that one I... Mm, yeah, never mind. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, so do you have a prescription for it, then? Yeah. Okay. Of course <laughs> I do. Okay, okay, cool. Because, like, I wouldn't say that to a microphone if I didn't. Yeah. Because cool. I still want to, you know, be a lawyer. Yeah, you don't want to do anything incriminating. Yeah. Makes right. sense. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So, um, huh. You're a very interesting person. Okay. So, Thank you. <laughs> there was uh, the fight then with, with Dante. You yeah. were thinking about getting in the middle of it, but you were kind of gauging the situation and you were thinking, well, I'm not going to get hit because I'm not, because I'm a girl, right? No, dude. Okay. Had I the opportunity to get in the middle of it, I would have. But Dante fucking came up, put his arm on the guy before anything could happen. It was just... Although I do kind of blame myself because, like, another comic shouted something. So I got up and stood by that comic in case things had gone. So, Becca, what was the start of this story? Okay. There was a comic on stage who got heckled. Megan? No, this is somewhat... That, dude, story. that Monday was crazy. So that happened at Tony V's where someone like was sexually harassed. It was fucking bullshit. And then at 9.07, this comic was on stage, got heckled. Comic was handling it. But then like this other dude tried to get involved. And I stood by other dude so that he wouldn't get... This is interesting. Let's, let's sort these out. So one was at the 9.07. One was at 9.07. The other one was at Tony V's. Yeah. What was the first one? Was it at Tony V's with, with Dante? Dante was at 9.07. Okay. Because he lives closer to 9.07. That, that makes sense. Um, okay. So what happened with Dante then? Fucking. Uh, so the girl, this girl heckled, and then her boyfriend got involved just to tell another comic to stop calling her a bitch. And that's when Dante got in his face, put his hand on his shoulder, and the dude got scared and hit him in the head with a bottle. Um, and then wow. Dante grabbed him and then they fell to the floor fighting and i was like wow i know dude it was insane and i was like dante like fucking stop and he's like he hit me with a bottle and i was like that doesn't mean you get to kill him and so like <laughs> he finally got off him and i grabbed the two and i was like go like if the cops come like just fucking go get, get out hmm. um dude fuck like all fuck hecklers but also like they didn't deserve to get hurt like that like they're enjo like enjoying comedy like no she shouldn't have heckled but then the boyfriend was the one who got hit like it's fucking it was dumb uh, dante's banned from that room uh, like i it fucking oh, really? scares me that he's even in the scene if i'm being honest like dante yeah dude no he's like like, he's the only person in this scene that I'm legitimately scared of. And I'm not, like, afraid of sexual assault from him, but I'm afraid that he's going to hurt someone and no one's going to be able to stop it. Like, he's just so quick to anger. Like, I've seen it several times now, and he he brags about it on Facebook and shit, too. Like, and it'll always be someone else's fault. Like, uh, yeah. I can't say yeah. much about it. Yeah, no, I mean, I because I, mean, I had Dante on my podcast and everything. Um, he's he's I'm glad very you're interesting. still here. <laughs> um, yeah, he's he's sort of like um like a like a pineapple. Like he's 
um, with a domestic violence protection order against him that he violated. Oh, shit. Okay. He's open about that on Facebook. Yeah. He's open about a lot of stuff. He's a very open person, I noticed. And about how much of a victim he is and all the wrongs done to him, mostly by women. Isn't that ironic? Mm. So you really don't like him then? I really don't. Like, there are very few people I don't like in this scene like I came from a scene that was incredibly toxic and a lot of men were like like it was just like a messed up situation Mm -hmm. um Dante's the only one where I'm like this isn't right like this is someone who is dangerous and like I don't I'm scared of him like just straight up I'm scared of him Okay, so the theme is whenever there is, uh, like, an attacker and, and uh, a victim, that's when kind of alarm bells go off, and that's just a very... That hits very close to home with you. That's the theme I'm noticing. Um, if there is an attacker and a victim, it should hit home with everyone. If I'm being honest, it, it doesn't... I, I don't react to it the same way that, that, that you do, because it's not my personal experience. Because you've never been attacked. Um, in in other ways, I suppose so. Um, but that's just the the trend that I'm noticing is that when when you see that going on, then you you react. Um. But as far as so, wait. I, so I, I, have, I have more to say. But what do you think of that? Um. Well, I'm actually curious. So you don't think you react the same because you haven't been attacked, or you haven't seen someone attacked? Or you don't know anyone who's been attacked. Um, and then what do you think our responses? How do they differ? Because there's a couple things going on here. Well, okay, I'm trying to think. Like, I mean, I am 6'3", and I'm, um, I'm sharp-witted and know that most of the time, if you just apologize, that there's no physical fight that would happen. Um, I've been bullied maybe a little bit kind of here and there but like in weird kind of different ways um i don't really want to get into but um i just don't react to it as much i mean i'm trying to think of like a time where i've witnessed somebody else attacking someone and like nothing's front of mind for me does that answer your question no um let me get this window by the way okay so i guess are you saying you would not get in the middle of a fight if you saw someone getting hurt? No, I would. I definitely would. Okay, so it sounds like then that you just haven't been faced with the opportunity. Right. Okay, so I think we would respond the same if um, I understand you correctly. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, it's hard to say exactly. This is all very hypothetical. I'm right, because you've I never been experienced... You've never experienced that kind of um, thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because well, I want to try to connect it back to what specifically is so interesting to you about being a lawyer. And so that's the theme that I, I wanted to sort of connect that to is that you like being a defender yes. in a way. Yes. Yeah. I like protect people who don't deserve to get uh, hurt. Yeah. Yeah. So like that's, that's what I, I'm saying is that um, that's a unique thing about you. So I want to go back to the thing with with Dante, I don't know. I mean, that's, that is a little scary, you know? Um, he is a little bit volatile, really volatile on, on Facebook, you know? Yeah. And I mean, you know, domestic violence protection order that he violated. Yeah. It's, it's, um, 
Dante's, yeah, it's weird. Watching him beat up an audience member. Yeah, it's intense. Um, one of the themes yeah, that I got from my podcast I did with him was that a lot of the stuff that goes wrong, he he does kind of have more of a hand in it than, than he you know, wants to admit. That's the thing he that... He kind of causes his own problems. Like, literally, like, this incident at 907 was fine until Dante got involved. Like, literally, like... You're a comic. You know when you get heckled, you fucking shut down the heckler and it's fine. The person on stage, he has been doing comedy for six years and he knew exactly what he was doing. He had it under control. And Dante, the only reason he got involved was because he wanted a fight. That's the only reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, like, another um, story to kind of validate what you're saying. Um, Thank you. You know, Women is... need validation. <laughs> his, uh... Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, when uh, he was working at a, a college t- uh, teaching like an IT course, um, he ended up getting expelled from the course. And he said this on the podcast. So this is. Uh, oh, I have a story after. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Ooh, this is juicy. I've never talked shit about another comic like on my Ever? podcast. Oh yeah. my God. It's my favorite thing. Okay, go ahead. I, I do want to preface this by saying uh, I like him still. I, I know you may not feel that way. But wait, why do you like him? I don't know. He seemed like because he's been nice to you. I don't know. So okay, with the it's okay. We can draw our own conclusions. Okay. Well, <laughs> I don't. I don't have maybe enough information. So okay. Um, but yeah, so he was, he was working at um, an IT place, and he um, was kind of at odds with one woman in the class, and the um, the lady said that she had a lot of back pain, and that was causing her difficulty with you know doing the coursework which she was like unforgiving about. And then they were really at odds over that because she was just really struggling and he wasn't like accommodating or like making it easier for her. Um, Cause he said, well, look, everybody has back pain here and there. You have to pull your own weight and you know, you have to be held to the same standards everybody else is. Well then towards the end of the quarter, he offered her some CBD pills and said, look, I bet you could take these and it would help you. So then she reported that to the Dean and he got fired. So, that's an example of where Dante took a risk that he really didn't need to and ended up really causing his own problem. So, um, I just want to make sure I'm understanding this. So you understand, or you've heard that story. You've heard about what's happened at the 907. You've seen the things on Facebook. You know he's violated dom- domestic uh, violence protection order. And you still like the guy? Um. I... So what does someone have to do for you not to like them? Well, I'm I a think very this patient is a, person. This is a question for all straight white men. I would um, like to know. Um, I mean, if he... I mean, I don't know, if he, like, raped somebody, I would go, yep, okay, screw that guy. Okay, so... But there's nothing... There's, there's nothing... From what I know, okay, from what I know, there's nothing really concrete that makes you go, he is a terrible person. There's a lot of things he's right on the line where it's like, dude, you really, obviously you overstepped. Audience member violated a, no, a domestic violence protection order. Yeah. Okay. And that's still okay to you. I don't know the full details. Like I said, I'm so, a patient person. I would want to know more details. Okay. So objectively, he violated a no, uh, a no contact order. And objectively, he attacked someone at 907. And even if you don't believe me, uh, there were several other witnesses, and he's not allowed back at 907 or any of Amani's rooms. Mm-hmm. 
So there's some concrete evidence right there. Well, the thing with 907, as I understand it, is he put his, his hand on the guy mm-hmm. and then the bottle got swung um, and he overstepped the line and then it just got magnified ten, tenfold. Um, he made first contact. Yeah. Yes. Um. Uh, the, I mean, what's your question again? Like, what what does it take? What does the- yeah? What does it take for you not to like someone? Um. I don't know. That's, that's tough to say. I I don't. I mean, I I'm very patient with with a lot of people, and I I just. I don't know if I put myself in a situation. It's like, I feel like I would never be. Um, the victim of like Dante fighting me. Like, I don't know the whole story, but I just feel like they both didn't navigate that situation very well. Mistakes were made probably on both sides. If the guy swung a bottle at him. Would you like to continue talking about this? You want to shift gears? Uh, I have one more thing about Dante. Um, so okay. he put on Facebook um, that he got in a fight with a 16 year old. And um, this was when he was refing and of course, he paints it that he was the victim again um, and that the 16-year-old had gotten in his face and he'd put hands on him and now there's an assault charge potentially against him. Um, I, I'm wondering what you think about that. Does that change your opinion of him? Uh, Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's Now the list kind of builds. Yeah. So that, that is scary. Yeah. Okay. We can shift gears. Let's shift gears. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. You're very handsome and charming. <laughs> it's just, God, I'm so into social justice and trying to keep people safe. Okay. Well, so you so you won, I feel like. That was a lawyer-like moment for you. That's why you like being a lawyer right there. <laughs> you won. Wait till I play your chess, though. <laughs> I'm not going to let you win. <laughs> um. Okay, so that's that's what you like to, to sort of be. You like to be a defender and recognize. That was like a good example of why I'm in law school. Mm-hmm. Okay, there like we go. Like, I like being funny. And mm-hmm. I like being a people pleaser, but I also like want the right thing to happen. Okay. So kind of intellectually making a stand for somebody and uh, calling out bullies and being a voice for the unheard. Both things in, in law. Is that accurate? Yeah. Cool. All right, so there's the trend. There you go. Yeah, that's why I have so many rape jokes about anti-rape. <laughs> Want to hear one? Okay. Okay, I don't do this joke anymore because no one ever laughs at it. Uh, but there's no way. I'm not a Disney princess, right? Come on, with all the guys who've kissed me while I've been unconscious? <laughs> what? <laughs> get it? Because no. I'm a Disney princess, and Disney princesses get kissed when they're unconscious. I, I'm, I feel like I missed something. There's no way <laughs> I'm not a Disney princess. There's no way I'm not a Disney princess. Okay. With all the guys who've kissed me while I've been unconscious. So why not just say, I've had so many guys kiss me while I'm unconscious, I must be a Disney princess. Because I like to make my jokes wordy and have unnecessary <laughs> content to throw them off. I'm not a good comic. Jesus I, Christ. I feel like the way I said it would be funnier. I think you should try it that way. <laughs> okay. There's no way I'm not a Disney princess. Princess. It's just. It's just an. Uh, it's a uh, confusing setup. Right. I agree. <laughs> yes, I won that one. <laughs> <laughs> Touch me. What, what? Okay. It just turns into an orgy with us and the microphones. <laughs> 
You're funny. Um, well, okay, so that's that's interesting. That's kind of the the connection then. Um, and then where where did you finally decide to go? Hey, uh, now I want to do it. I want to be a lawyer. I want to do this. I don't know. I was probably like eleven. My parents are attorneys. Oh, okay. Well, that's a, that's a big deal. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. My dad always makes the list of top 100 attorneys in the country every year. There's a list. There, it's called the Super Lawyers List. Top 100 every single year. Wow. My brother, very successful attorney. I might get kicked out of law school <laughs> this semester. <laughs> the black sheep. <laughs> Not trying to be. <laughs> like, ah, oh, that's a very expensive black sheep. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. When I was um, eight, I started feeling suicidal. Yeah. Um, and I remember trying to tell my mom I was depressed, and she told me not to say words like that. Um, wow. I was, yeah, I was put into therapy pretty young. Um, I have all these journals and diaries and whatnot about like looking at the world and seeing how fake it is and. <laughs> Just, like, I didn't have any friends. Like, the only friend I had was my brother. Um, and then he just disappeared from my life. Like, he was only two years older th- than me. And just, um, he was also really severely depressed. And I just, like, in my head it happened, like, in one day where he just, like, was there. And then he wasn't. Like, he never left his room again. It was, um. Was this? Did he kill himself? What are you talking about? Um, it's just like his depression was so bad. Um, that is like, he just wasn't even there. Yeah, no. Um, and you were depressed and then he wasn't there for you cause he was depressed. Yeah. Um, and at the time I didn't have any friends in school. So it was like, like I didn't have any friends. Um, so like, you felt very alone in, in this struggle. Yeah, I uh, actually had to switch schools in eighth grade because I was getting, like, bullied so bad. Um, yeah, no, it was really bad. Um, and things got better for, like, a hot minute. Um, and then they got worse again. Um, what was going on? What was going on in around eighth grade? Just, like, just bullied so bad, dude. Like, I would get messages on facebook um like people saying i should go kill myself like that i shouldn't even like that i shouldn't be here that kind of shit wow um it was really bad um and then like at school it was bad too like no one wanted to be around me there were like pretty terrible things done to me and said to me um yeah no and like it kind of continued into high school like I had friends a little bit um but not really like I was friends with these three girls freshman year but like that summer like one of them dated my boyfriend and they took all like the shit I got for him and like burned it and put the pictures on Facebook and tagged me in it Wow! and like no it was bad like lot just like so much shit and so like I um try killing myself then like I like took all these pills and like alcohol and I was only 15 so I didn't really know what I was doing but I was sent to a psych ward then um that was 
horrific too like so I don't know if this is legal I don't know if it was legal then I know it's not legal now but like um they the first night I was there I was like a little attorney like I, I took the patient manual and read through it and I found a page that said I had the right to a phone call and so I was like I want to I want to call my mom so I can leave um and they wouldn't let me so I sat down in a chair and I was like, okay, I'm not moving until I get a phone call. And these four big guards came. And when I said I wasn't leaving the chair, they picked me up, um, like, in the chair and took me into this room that was just, like, cement. It was just, like, a cement floor, cement walls, no window, um, and one blue mat. Um, and the camera's looking up at you. Um, or up at you, down at you. Um and it was called the quiet room. Um, that's where they put the ki- the yeah the people causing trouble. Do they have the right to do that? Do I don't know. I don't think it's legal. Um, I I I don't think so. Um, and then like I don't know. It's bad. It's, so the quiet room is essentially isolation for children. Um, and it's not safe. Like I saw some people get wheeled in there, um, on, in, in restraints. And I mean, that's horrific, but honestly, it's at least a little bit more, um, uh, kind, like, cause they can't get out and like bang their head on the wall and like hit themselves on the wall. Like, cause it was, it was cement. Like it, it wasn't was padded. Yeah, no, there was, it wasn't padded. It, it, there was just one blue mat on the ground. Um, like a gym mat, like not even like anything soft. It was like a gym mat. Um, how did you, how did they physically take you, um, from the point you, you try to clear yourself to where you were, you were in the hospital? There's a timeline gap there. Could you fill it in? Um, so my mom came home and she, said we were going to go to the hospital and I had been so depressed for so long and I just like honestly thought that I was going to get help um and so uh, it was actually I was voluntarily committed um and I begged my mom to take me out and like I actually collected the documents from that stay later and after that first night um my mom had tried to get them to release me and they kept reassuring her that all children act like that at first and that I was actually fine and that I should be kept there um which is really fucked up um honestly yeah that is but um so why is that fucked up from your point of view um just because like I eventually did get a phone call that like I got I got to call her after all that shit happened and I remember before they handed me the phone they were like don't say anything bad about this place or we'll take the phone from you um and of course the first thing I did was tell my mom how horrible it was and then they took the phone from me um oh my god yeah dude no psych words are fucked up like fucking like fucking bars on the windows and shit like you're not allowed outside how long were you in there that time it was only um it was a week 
that wasn't bad. Um, yeah, no, it's fucking, I don't, like, I don't understand why they think that's helping people. Like, it's so fucked up. Um, like, so, um, right across the street from one of these psych wards is Children's Hospital. And it's this, like, beautiful hospital. Like, one of the best in the country, like, just has everything you could ever need to get better. And then across the street's the psych ward. It's like this old, like, 1970s building um, that has, like, mold and shit. It's horrifying. Like, it's understaffed. There's been a lot of um, investigations into abuse, and nothing's changed. Um, And it's just like, like, you can see children's hospital from the window of that place and like I could never get around like what why do I not get to get better like why am I being treated like a criminal um why like it still bothers me honestly because there are kids being sent to the psych ward instead of like to a facility where they could actually get better like I just don't understand um um yeah I'm so sorry you went through that. It's fine. <laughs> it's cool. Now I get to be on a cool podcast and talk about it. Well, um, so did what happened after that? Did were you able to recover a little yeah, bit? I tried to kill myself again, um, and this time I was really close. I decided to hang myself, and I climbed into this tree. Is this getting too dark? No. Okay, keep talking to the microphone. Yeah. Okay, and you can just edit the shit that's too depressing okay so got all the psych well, ward people struggle with depression laura you know it's it gives people hope if if um you know you went through something like that and then you come out of it and you're still thriving and you get into law school like that's that gives people hope okay <laughs> um i told them when i was in the psych ward that i was going to kill myself and so that's probably why they wouldn't let me out for a while but um i finally got out and took a jump rope went to the woods, climbed this tree, and I remember going through my phone, um, like, thinking if there was anyone to say goodbye to, and there wasn't. Like, I didn't have any friends, and, like, I know, like, my family was so done with me, um, and so I remember, like, praying to God, because at the time, I still believed in God, um, and I was like, can you just, like, give me a sign that it's gonna be okay, and there wasn't any um, there wasn't any sign. So I climbed on to the branch of the tree and like tied the rope around my neck and around the branch. And like, I don't know why, but it, like the idea of, um, my neck breaking really scared me. And so I like slowly like lowered myself down and let go, um, so that I would just suffocate. Um, and it was awful. Um, and I just had to, like, keep telling myself that it's going to end, the pain's going to end, and then, like, like all the pain will end. <laughs> like, um, but the rope broke, uh, which, like, to this day, I'm like, what the fuck? Um, I'm pretty sure half the rope is still hanging in that tree. Like, last time I checked, which was, like, a couple years ago. Like, it still was. Because it's, like, I guess it makes sense, right? But 
you don't climb up and get the rope <laughs> after you fail. <laughs> You're like, fuck it, I'll count my losses. <laughs> Got half this jump rope around my neck. <laughs> wow. Well, well, thank you for sharing that. I, I'm glad you feel comfortable sharing that. That's, I mean, that's a really, you know, um, intense and so sad. That's, that's quite an experience. <laughs> what are you doing? I don't know. I don't like the seriousness. It's uncomfortable for me. Um, Robin Williams, um, my hero. Yeah, he because he, he c- completed. <laughs> he was successful. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be like him. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> He's who I um, aspire to be. <laughs> so he, um, I, I brought him up because he does relate to that um, example because of the way he died, um, and then also because he he said that. Um, when you share stories, the more specific that you make it, the more specific you make it, the more people ironically relate to it. Really? Mm-hmm. Robin Williams said that. And yeah, as you were as you were saying it, I was I was thinking of, you know, times where I could I could relate to that as well. You know, I'm sure listeners do as well, you know, and so that's that's um an amazing impact that, that, that you've you've had through just making it through that and then being willing to to share that. So if you don't mind me asking, then what happened after that? Oh, I, more psych wards. Um, uh, yeah, sophomore year of high school was rough, man. Uh, <laughs> fucking, I tried to kill myself again. Um, so where were your parents in this? They were there. Um, they were around um so my dad didn't talk to me about it really and I don't blame him like he I think just so we I was raised in a like upper class white suburban house like like our lives were perfect like it had to be perfect like my mom and dad are together and they would go out and we all played sports and like we were all top of our class and everything was perfect until I started having trouble and then they had to figure out how to keep this image of themselves perfect because they had to be that in society and if that meant like throwing me into a psych ward so that like they didn't have to talk about me or that people wouldn't see like the cuts on my arms or like see me getting bullied online, like all that different stuff. Like, so be it. Like they're worried about their image. 100%. And I believe that to this day that my parents at the time, very concerned about their image. I think that they thought a lot of it was faked and forced and that I was just, you know, being dramatic and like, and like, um, did they offer any support? they didn't know how like they did and it's not their fault like my mom was raised in a very strict family she was the oldest of six and like they didn't talk about their feelings my dad was the same way like they still don't really talk about their feelings it's just like it's the midwest way um and the honestly like the the wealth and the like class honestly added to it because like the they were the only ones they knew with a kid like me and i can't like i can't imagine how scary that must be that they didn't know anyone else they could confide in they and they probably wouldn't have even if they had known like it just didn't happen in new berlin wisconsin like there weren't people like me in the world 
you know that's what we thought <laughs> they, they didn't understand it they were worried about their their image and they wanted you to just go away yeah no it, like i still remember there was one time me and my sister went to starbucks and my mom and my sister go to starbucks every day like they're known there and like i had moved out by this point but we'd gone and the barista was talking about my mom and my sister and blah 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 and she's like oh and who are you and i'm like i'm the troubled kid <laughs> who she doesn't talk about because like she was going on and on about our family and about how good my brothers were doing and like my dad and oh, fucking. i exist too but they, I think for a really long time they wanted to pretend like I, and, I didn't. And so this person that your mom was talking to said, "Oh, what about what about her? What about yeah, her? yeah, 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 it's fucking." And then what did your mom say? Oh, this is my daughter. That was it. You know my mom. Oh, this is my daughter. Oh my god. This is fucking. <laughs> I I love my mom. I. They're great. My parents are great. <laughs> I'm painting them really bad, but they oh, really okay. they really they're good. They, it was just a really hard time in all of our lives. I don't think anyone knew what to do. Like, I know I didn't know what to do. So, mm. Well, I guess, yeah, that's that's what comes to mind then is kind of what is your opinion of your, of your parents. And I wanted to kind of preface this with sort of, you know, I think everyone can agree. A lot of parents, they do a lot of things well and a lot of things not so well. And it sounds like we opened this up with something they did not do well at all. Right. Um overall you still you still like them you still love them or are you yeah just, just very bitter about it or no it took a while to like get over it because i would have handled things very differently um and i would have handled things differently because i had experiences that taught me to handle things differently and they didn't have those experiences as children or even as adults they didn't know what to do so and I don't know if either of them have ever thought seriously about killing themselves. So I can't, I honestly cannot imagine what it must be like to have a child who wants to die and not knowing how to prevent it. And I think there's a lot of that too. Um, so they didn't know what to do because they didn't have any experience with it themselves right. or anything. Yeah. So, um, what, what would, what would they, what would you prefer they have known at the time? That I didn't want to be put in a psych ward. I just wanted to be around people who liked me. Yeah. And you didn't have those people with the schooling because you are bullied there. And then they weren't very supportive. Yeah. And my brother didn't want anything to do with me. Mm -hmm. um, it was a very lonely time in my life. Like, I think back on it. And, like, like I was so alone. Like, lit like literally, I didn't have anybody. Um, and I can't imagine... I don't know. Uh, it was just hard. It's it's really hard, like, always being alone, especially at that point in your life when you're trying to figure out how to exist. Like, um, in the last uh, year, I've, I feel like I've matured a lot because I didn't, I, I just didn't interact with anybody. I was always alone. So um, I didn't know. I, I still have a hard time picking up on social cues sometimes um, and communicating with others. It's getting better, though. Um, kind of some warped social development at the time. Yeah, one hundred percent. What were you so sad about? How, what What do you think it was now? Looking back at it, is has it changed? Is it the same thing? Does it progress? Um, I think a lot of depression. It like well for me, is chronic. Um, 
like just um I don't know. Uh I don't know. Uh I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, you're okay. I uh I think it w- there was a lot of circumstantial stuff. I think there's a lot of stuff that like is out of my control cuz like my life's pretty good now and I'm still I still get really sad sometimes. Um So So it's hard to say? It is. Yeah. Um, just existential grief, like there's no point to anything, all that. I mean, like it must have made you sad that you were being being bullied, obviously, and and ridiculed. It sounded like even that, I mean, yeah, it's horrible that your um, your ex boyfriend's girlfriend at the time uh, went and burned the stuff that you you gave him, the memories you had together. It's really mean. Yeah, or like pictures I was in, and like, but. Yeah, no, it was a really bad time in my life. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think there's this chronic feeling that I'm not good enough. Um, especially, like, like, my brother didn't want anything to do with me. I didn't have friends. And when I got older and tried to figure out how to have friends, I couldn't do it. Um like, I even, like, in college, like, my first semester of college, I was, like, brutally sexually assaulted by this guy I was trying to be friends with, like, and it was, and so I just feel like there have been, there's this repetition in my life where it's, like, I just want really to be liked, um, and it's just not the case, and, um, so I think there's still a lot of that. I think like law school's hard too because of that because like for the first time in my life like I don't have grades to like validate me <laughs> cuz I used to be smart and now I'm not. Um, yeah. um You're smart. <laughs> so it's still ongoing. You still you're still dealing with depression. Yeah, um, I'm on medication for it, and that's been life changing. Um, that's good. What's what? What's the medication? I'm on Prozac, mm-hmm. um, and that's been really helpful. Um, I was off meds for a uh, couple years, and that's when I was really into drugs. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so, um, no, the medicine actually keeps me clean um, and keeps me alive. Like most importantly. I guess, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was it what was it like when you first tried this antidepressant? Um it just changed my life. Uh it took a little bit of time, but like suddenly I was waking up before noon. Um and I wasn't crying every day. And uh I was social. I my anxiety used to be so bad I could not talk to people. Like I could not text someone even. Like like even my coworkers, because I was afraid they were going to think really poorly of me. There was, there was a point in my life where I would get so scared and so paranoid that I would lock myself in my closet and not come out because I was, I was just so scared and like, just the paranoia was so intense. Um, Because socially, nothing was going right. I mean, you described earlier, which didn't really um, talk about much, but that you were assaulted sexually too. So yeah, even into into college, socially, anytime you reached out, you had this this um, incredibly negative experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and then for, yeah for sure and then s- soon after that i found um so it's understandable that you would be so worked up and not wanting to reach out yeah and you like right after i was assaulted i got on drugs <laughs> i started using um and the best part about drugs is like you can be alone and it's totally fine. <laughs> like, in fact, it's preferred. It's amazing. There's no one there to ruin the high. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, and it was so nice. Like, I could stop reaching out. And I remember there were a couple times, like, in this, like, fucked up state of mind where I would just, like, start cry, like, crying and, like, beating the shit out of myself and just being, like, because when my addiction got really bad, like, I didn't even want to be getting high anymore, and I felt like it was the only thing I could do, and I knew it was bad, and I knew what I was doing was, like, not healthy, but I kept, like, like, I would literally scream, like, I tried to get help, like, I tried to get help, and I tried, and it didn't work, and so this is what I have to do, and it's, like, a very victim mentality, um, that like now that I'm getting clean, I'm working on like I have more power than I realize. Um, so just like but at the time it was like easy to justify drug use because like I had reached out so much um, and been rejected. But like there's no good good reason to get high. Like really like it ruins your life. Like it was bad. So mm-hmm. I see. Um, so there's two things going on then. So it's um, the street drug use that you used to cope, and then after that is the the Prozac that kind of that kind of saved you. Yeah. No. One hundred percent. Like I got into therapy and I got on uh, an antidepressant, and that really it really did change everything. Um, and I'm still working on myself. Like honestly, it I still have like an addict mentality, um, and like you're still kind of always an addict even when you're not using. Um, and so much of addiction is like behavioral things that you just learn to do and that aren't like good to do. Uh, so like, um, I'm still trying to unlearn a lot of the things I learned in active addiction and just like things I did to survive for so long in the environment I was in. Um, like what? Fucking like, I don't have to attack everyone, you know, like not, it's okay to not fight every fight. Um, it's okay to just let some things go. Um, and like, I I don't know, like I can be really aggressive and really mean and really X, Y, and Z, but, um, yeah, I'm in NA too. Uh, so that really helps as well. Like having that community because so much of drug use was like, um, the isolation and the loneliness and that kind of pain and suffering. So the good thing about being in that fellowship is that you don't have to be alone if you don't want to be. Like, there's always someone to call. There's always a meeting to go to. Um, yeah. Awesome. So the Prozac and then this community also really helped you to yes. kind of get well. So what's the deal with the, the community of people that you're talking about? Uh, Narcotics Anonymous. Okay. Yeah. And what's the deal with that? Um, it's just, like, people who understand addiction and who'll give you solutions other than using to help you cope with life that and uh comedy and there's actually a decent amount of overlap there's a decent amount of clean comics so that's nice too Mm -hmm. 
what was it like um, kind of first finding this this group? Were you reluctant to do it? Yes, were you like, that's, 100%. That's I don't want to go there. Yeah. The only reason I went is because I was having comedians tell me I had to go. <laughs> really? Like, yeah, and <laughs> if you're having comedians, like, <laughs> goddamn druggies, all of them, fucking alcoholics, if they're <laughs> telling me I have to go, like, go. <laughs> so <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> was it any uh, comedian or comedians in particular that encouraged you to take that step to, to go there? Yeah, there was a, a there was one in Iowa actually. So yeah. Okay. Denver, Iowa and then Seattle. So I started comedy in Iowa when I was nineteen. Um did it for a year. There was a falling out, um, took a year off and then I started back up again in Denver. Okay, I see. I got you. That makes sense. Um, so then, what was it? What was it like? Yeah, going to that that group for the first time. Literally walked in a lot like comedy. I was the only female, um, and I was like, "Okay, so you're not supposed to cross talk in meetings." It's like this. It's fucking. It's like church. It's like a religion. It's hard to explain. I went in and I was like withdrawing so bad, like shaking, like seeing things, hearing things, like. And the, the what I was on, um, you have to come off of it slowly, because if you don't, you can have seizures. You could die from withdrawal, essentially. Um, but I was afraid to go to rehab because, as far as I knew, no one knew how serious my drug problem was, and I wasn't about to tell my mom. And what was it? The you have withdrawal symptom from? Actually, it was from Xanax. Really? Isn't that insane? It is one of the only things where withdrawing from it can kill you. So, wow. fucking, yeah. Did and the not. withdrawals last for months, dude. Wow. Yeah. So, I went to the meeting for the first time and fucking, uh, yeah, I basically was just like, you guys need to tell me this is going to end. Otherwise, I'm going home and killing myself, like, tonight. And they were all like, of course the withdrawals go away. But, like, when you're fucking withdrawing that hard, it's like, there's no end inside, dude. Like, I would only get, like, two hours of sleep maybe a night. Like, I remember the first time... I got four hours of sleep. It was a fucking miracle. Like, just straight up. Like, I went to bed. Like, I still remember that. Like, I don't remember much from the time I was withdrawing. I remember that first meeting, and I remember thinking how grateful I was I got four hours of sleep. And the rest is a blur. Like, I almost got kicked out of jail. Kicked out of jail. I almost (laughs) got kicked out of school. I almost went to jail. It was... um, And this was off drugs. This was just going through withdrawal. Like, it's fucked up. What? I know. <laughs> Dude, the withdrawals were just so shitty. Uh, yeah. You're very interesting. So many things. Okay. All right. I'm. 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 I really appreciate, Laura, that you're willing to share this stuff. So you went to the the Narcotics Anonymous group. You were starting with the withdrawals, and then you went to jail. But I wanted to know. Kind I of, didn't go to jail. Oh, you almost went to jail. But I wanted to know more about what was it like when you were around those people. Then there were there were. They were great. Like. They're also fucking broken, um, but like so am I. And then I thought I was the only one who had these thoughts and feelings, and this just like this worthlessness, like feeling. I don't know. And like all, a lot of these people are out there, and you don't have to resort to drugs. And that was so nice to realize that there was a solution, um, because. Like, we've gone over, like, I tried reaching out a lot and, like, just didn't work. But, like, this time it, it did work. Um, 
this mm. is one of the first times you reached out and people were receptive yes like the first time i would say because like really nothing else worked like i eventually like i have a couple friends um from like high school now like <laughs> like I have one friend um who I met at a church for retreat like toward the end of my high school career so like she I think has seen the change in me which is nice um but like besides that there wasn't really anyone I could talk to um and and what was it about this this group other than kind of being accepted was it the things they said or just the general kind of vibe and and whatnot and just knowing that there are other people that struggle with it or anything that they, they said or um all their stories were like mine the stories they shared yeah. yeah like i really thought i was the only one who'd gone through this kind of shit and like i'm not which is good because there's a solution yeah. were, were there any stories particularly that, that, that kind of stood the test of time i yeah. can't tell you <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i gotcha but you you related to the stories yeah, yeah. makes sense um okay and then what happened with the the jail incident? I or didn't go to jail. Almost going to jail, yeah. Oh god, just <laughs> uh, fucking uh, just cops fucking getting called. I don't know. <laughs> it's fine. Um there wasn't like a particular incident. Um it's just I was a fucking crazy person for a very long time coming off of Xanax. Um mm-hmm. that, there's not one incident. And I honestly, like, I really do have a hard time remembering everything. So um, I couldn't even give you details. It's kind of a blur. Yes. Like, literally, there are months of my life gone, um, both from when I was abusing um, drugs and from the withdrawal. Fucking. Wow. Yeah. Um, And then what, uh, what, what happened after that? You were kind of beginning to connect with other people and being accepted by this group and then you're getting into to comedy and yeah things were kind of moving and shaking and you weren't in in law school at that time no i was an undergrad mm-hmm. what do you your undergraduate in by the way <laughs> uh i have a ba in history <laughs> in latin okay Legal language okay <laughs> um so <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> um, d- um, what what was it like on on uh, on stage? Then you were actively seeking <gasps> oh, help God. and and trying to get through this stuff, and then you were on stage. What was that like? Okay, so the first year in comedy in Iowa, I no, I was like drunk or high every single night on stage, <laughs> every single night without fail. And that was one of the reasons I got into comedy was because they weren't carding me. Yeah. I was 19, 20 and they weren't carding me at all. It was the best. Like I was literally on this improv troupe that was called the blacklist yeah. and there were, were drinking games. It was an Im- improv. And so drinking games and like I was 20, it was awesome. Um, yeah. I was kicked off of that. Because of my dr- <laughs> drugs are bad. Um, but fucking, uh, yeah, no. When I first started doing it again, in Denver, I started doing it again. And I was sober, and it was scary. And uh, honestly, it probably took a good year before I f- started feeling comfortable on stage. Just because like, you don't wow. have alcohol to numb 
the feeling of bombing. And right. that's a shitty feeling, dude. Yeah, like, you either have to be delusional to think you're not bombing, um, <laughs> and I think a lot of comics are that early on, or you have to be drunk. It's, like, it's really hard to go through comedy and well, bomb that much without... Even when you do well, from a pro's standpoint, you didn't do well. You know, like... Yeah, that... You, you know, we're all delusional, you know, at the start to think we're Bro, I've been doing it for a month, okay? Could <laughs> yeah. you stop? I'm funny. <laughs> Um, like, I I heard this story multiple times. Like, uh, like Anthony Jesenek was on Joe Rogan's podcast, and he was talking about watching his, his old tapes from a set that he did that he thought he did really well. Oh, I hate watching old tapes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. I, I do it a lot though. Actually, they're all on YouTube because I want people to know how far I've come. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> Are they really on YouTube? Yeah, they're on YouTube. Also, I have a set where um this guy I was dating broke up with me at the comedy club the day after Christmas. Um. <laughs> And then I took a spot on the list and I taped that because I always tape at the club and I thought I'd be okay and then I wasn't okay and I bombed really bad. I put that on YouTube too. <laughs> I don't know if I have any good tapes of me on YouTube actually. <laughs> so if, if people out there want to hear the tape of you bombing after getting dumped, yeah, what, what, what would they look up on YouTube? Laura Lyons Comedy. <laughs> probably i don't know what my name is um but that's okay if you i know it works because i've done it if you just type in laura Lyons comedy it should come up do you just have one video of yourself no i have a lot of videos well, of me what, doing like not great well, then, well how would they find that one <laughs> just there's like six it's the one after christmas it's the one i start off saying I'm on a roast after Christmas. That's a Christmas roast. So here's some roast jokes. And those didn't oh, okay. go well. And then I started talking about my ex-boyfriend. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. For the record, the roast show did awesome. So those guys in the audience just didn't know what they were talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was, I was going to tell you, you still got to face the camera, you know? I know, fucking... I want you to be comfortable, so I didn't want to bug you about it, but yeah. <laughs> I know, fucking... If I, like... Yeah, no, this is fine. I'm comfortable. Yeah, I don't, I don't have the money for, like, two cameras, so you... <laughs> it's okay. Um, so, then, um, you've been doing comedy for how long now? Okay, so, um, I don't count the first year and the year I took off, so it's been two years consistently... If you count the first year I've been doing it since I've been like 1920, so like, I don't know what math that is. It's been two years, like actually doing comedy. When was your first time on stage? How long ago? Okay, first time ever on stage. Five years 18. Ago? Yeah. 18. Yeah. That's that's pretty impressive right okay. there, honestly. Okay, but the only reason I got up was because I'm like every other fucking comedian. I thought I was funnier than everyone else and then got up and I was like, oh shit, no, this is harder than it looks. <laughs> yeah. And then I didn't do it again for a year. And oh. then the reason I did it was because this other dude was like, I suck at comedy. Can you write my set list? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, okay, and I'm going to write a set list for you. You make all your jokes really girly and I'll make mine really manly. So I went to the show with all these girly jokes for him and then he didn't show up. And so... <laughs> Then I did the jokes myself, and I got a chuckle, and huh. so now that was it. That was all it took. Just a little bit of validation. <laughs> okay, so someone gave you that, that push to, to write their own jokes, and then you thought, well, great. If he thinks I can do it, then, then I can do it. So Something like that, yeah. Okay. So then you're, so 
that's five years now you've been doing comedy basically yeah kind of off and on but mainly in the last two years yeah that's cool yeah yeah Yeah, i started comedy for the first time i did i was on stage the first time like four and a half years ago how old are you i'm 26 okay that's right oh yeah i asked that before yeah that's cool um hey (laughs) 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 so um and then you're you're very active now i mean it's you're doing the law school but then also comedy that's your that's your big priority right now yeah you said you perform a couple times a week yeah um where's the what's the dream where, where are you heading to with comedy what's what do you want like honestly i would like to practice law for 10 years and just like do open mics in that time to like get a lot of money and then i can quit law and do comedy forever cool yeah very nice thanks man so you have appreciate it the, the law degree as your your backup plan but mainly you want to be a comedian yeah and then what does that look like? So, uh, road comic? Uh, oh, yeah. I would want to be a road comic. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not very clubby. Like, I've tried, like, really hard to be clean. And it's, like, not possible. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I try to be clean, too. Like, uh, I don't know. I, it's just not really my, my natural kind of style, you know? It's kind of it's kind of hard. I don't know. Like, I just want to touch you because <laughs> of all the trauma we've been talking about, and I feel yeah. very... Do you want a hug? Yeah, okay. kind of. <laughs> hey. Can you hug me with the thing on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, enough, it yeah, stretches no, no, no. enough, so... I'm very impressed with this setup. I really oh, am. Yeah, I appreciate it. Welcome. It's very clean, right? I was. Very yes, p- this is, like, probably the cleanest podcast I've ever done. Yeah. I was very particular about making sure there's no cords here, because, like, behind the walls here, so oh, many cords. Oh, that's what you meant by clean, yes. Yeah. Also that. It's very, it's very minimal. Like, I really wanted to be, like, in the footage, the subject of it should be You could have a puppet gosh, show. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, I just fucking... Uh, but it looks like you could, couldn't you? Like, yeah. Like, not to be a judgy prick, but it's like, I hate seeing photos where it's like, in the background's all this random shit, and I'm just like, fucking move it. How hard was that to, like, move that? That kind of pisses me off. Yeah, fuck those guys. What 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 makes you mad? Other than, well, I guess you're Except everything? Very aggressive! <laughs> yeah. uh, we touched on this earlier, actually. Just, like, in comedy, because I have a list. Yeah, what are you, like, what's your biggest One. pet peeve with somebody performing or whatever? Yeah. Okay, you don't deserve to get paid, okay? <laughs> like, most people don't deserve to get paid. Some do. Most uh-huh. don't. Uh, most of the people complain don't deserve. Okay. Um, I hate when people don't move the mic stand. I hate when people say you can't use the mic stand. You definitely can. Everyone yeah. does comedy a little bit differently. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. um, I hate people who make fun of puppets. I make... No. It's okay to make fun of puppets. You're just <laughs> wrong. Puppets. Yeah. No, so no, no. specific. Yeah. yeah, no, no, no. Like... Prop comedy is the superior form of comedy. All musical comedians <laughs> can go suck my dick. Um, except f- there are some exceptions. Uh, okay, let's see. Who else can I make fun of? Talk shit about. <laughs> um, who's like your, your favorite local comedian? Who makes you laugh the hardest right Will Dirks. Will Dirks, okay. Fucking love Will Dirks. Yeah. And like, okay, I don't know. If I had a show, dude, he would be on every show. Yeah. Every single show. I love him. He is the funniest person I've ever, maybe ever met in my life. Oh, but, uh, shit. Okay. I love Dirks. Now I really want to hear him. Yeah. I, I've seen his stuff on Facebook. Oh, yeah. He's an he's a fucking crazy person. And that's why yeah. he is so fucking funny. Yeah. And like, uh, yeah, no, he's great. Uh, 
Yeah. Tell me more about what you like about his his style. He's just fucking weird and doesn't give a fuck. Like I, I I like that about him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anything else about it? Like no, he's just weird, dude. <laughs> yeah. There's not enough weird people in this city. Like, yeah. fucking, I don't know. Like, do something weird. <laughs> you, like, you like weird jokes, huh? Yeah. Do, do you like a uh, uh, Robbie Schroeder? Yes, I yeah. do like him. He's, I like his he's, stuff. He's very I like weird. Nate Pringle, but he left. Fucking who I else mean, is he weird? Left? Fuck yeah, dude. I don't. Oh, mm, I didn't know that. It's very upsetting to me. I'm very distressed about it. Still. Is he in L.A. now or something? Yeah, dude. Oh, really? Fucking who's that one girl? Girl Nate. Uh, Gus. She's mm. super weird, and I like her. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Oh, it's too bad. I wanted to have Nate on my on my podcast. Oh. He'll probably, he'll probably visit. I'll yeah, I mean, he'll move back eventually. You know how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Nate. <laughs> I didn't mean it. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, there's there's, uh, there's always a handful of people who do that. Like uh, Craig Stewart was this other guy like a while ago. I remember we were both kind of like up and coming at the same time. And then we were both like two years into it. And then he moved to, to L.A. and I stuck and around. And they moved back. Yeah. Did he move back? No, I think he's still over there. Yeah. Oh, good. That's good. I like it when people are successful in their uh, new locations, especially L.A. and New York. Yeah. It's hard. Um, it's hard out there. What about, like, famous comedians? Who's it's your favorite hard. famous comedian? Uh, my favorite is Mike Birbiglia. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I don't like him quite as much. I'm not <gasps> going to lie. fucking why? Yeah. What could you possibly say about that god? Um, I don't I don't know. What, what, what do you like about him? He's clean and he's funny. Okay. And weird. And quirky. I kind of like a little twist to like crazy though. And like he doesn't have enough of that for me. Okay. Who's your favorite comic? Um, well, to go with this a little bit though, like um, Demetri Martin. Okay. I like him. I wish there was like, a little twist of craziness though. That's the one thing that kind of bothers me about his he style. He knows it would be a liability. That's I, why he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Very, very clever one-liners. It's because really, he's really a lawyer. Like, yeah. I like his comedy a lot, but he's, do you ever watch specials and then when you're a few minutes into it, you have to kind of take a step back and kind of like digest it and come back to it? Do you do that? No. Okay. I do that all the time. That's cool. <laughs> With Demetri Martin, I do that. But I like uh, Anthony Jeselnik and um, I do like Louis C.K. Um, not anymore, but. You he- can still like Louis C.K. That's fine. Yeah. Just don't like his uh, actions or whatever. Separate the art from the artist. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Well, how do you view it then? The whole, I mean, that must be, that must yeah, I mean, strike like, a chord actually with you. I have strong opinions on it. Um, Let's hear it. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, so I think he's fucking hilarious. Uh, I also think it's really fucked up what he did. Um, I still think he might make a comeback though because he didn't rape anyone. Um, he's just an asshole. So we'll see. This it it sounds like it doesn't upset you nearly as much as I expected it would. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just because, like, not all... <laughs> this is so shitty. Not all... I've been raped so many times that I know that not all <laughs> sexual assault is the same. <laughs> wow. There's different flavors to it. Um, like... Just, like... That's shocking. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, you know... Well, that's all right. That's kind of a bombshell. Um, Sorry. No. Um, but no. So like, how many? Okay, I I don't know. Okay. That's, so wait, I'll explain all. And if I don't, you can ask. But like, so there's sexual misconduct, right? And like, so that looks like someone being really creepy to 
a lady after she just starts. For example, I had this guy who tours around the country, makes a living off comedy, like headlines clubs. He sent me a, a like Facebook message two weeks after I got a Facebook starting doing comedy. That's not cool, dude. That's like, that's misconduct. The fact that he's trying to like get me to come to his shows to like hang out. He'll maybe give me a spot. He's not going to fucking give me a spot. Like, you know, just like being creepy. And like, I, as a brand new comic, can't say anything because I'm afraid I'm not going to get opportunities. Misconduct. Category one. Then you have the Aziz and Sari category, right? Where it's I li- like... I, I like this. I like categories. I don't know if it's fucked up, but I'm, please continue. Well, and... Well, it's important to mention, too, because, like, there are different ways you handle situations. Like, you don't call the cops on everyone, you know? That's why we have, like, HR and all this different shit. But, like, couldn't do anything about that weird, creepy Facebook message guy because it's like, I can be like, hey, don't talk to me, but then I'm afraid there might be some, like... Uh, I don't know. He'll not give me, like feedback or whatever he won't let me be on his show because I rejected him and that's a very real fear like that has happened to me um like where you have those boundaries and then all of a sudden you don't have an opportunity um Hmm. so and there's no one to talk to you about that same thing with the Aziz Ansari category because it's not quite like rape and it's not if you look at the law it's probably not even considered sexual assault where it's like a guy is pushing and pushing and you're like no haha no haha um, and that I've had happen a lot with different dudes at mics, like just like the constant asking, trying to grab, trying to touch all that different shit, like not in Seattle, but like in Denver, not the best, like where you'll say no and the guy will keep coming. Um, not, not a police call. That's just well, a, that's good to hear that doesn't happen as much in, in Seattle. That's no, no, no. I honestly, I've never had anything like that happen. Like I mean, even got a really strong community in yeah, Seattle, I feel like. Hell yeah, know? dude. No, I'm really happy with my experience here. Like even when I saw this guy um, from Denver here in Seattle, like everyone was so supportive and they're like, what can we do right now to help you? And like, yeah, it exactly. was awesome. As right. opposed to like in Denver, when I came forward about some of the shit, they like blamed me. You know what I mean? And it's like, you just want attention, blah, blah, blah. It's like, look, I'm sorry I'm not funny yet, but, like, this is still something he's doing, like... Yeah, Seattle Comics, like, they don't... We don't fuck around. I, mean, I feel like there's about 150 Seattle Comics, and they're they're very no, you guys a- are airtight great. about that. Yeah. yeah, dude, like... Yeah, no, I'm really, really grateful I'm in this scene. And then you have rape. <laughs> That's the Cosby <laughs> category, where you're actually committing a crime and something legally, like, the police can get involved. But that cate- category, unfortunately, doesn't... Unfortunately, that category doesn't happen a lot, honestly. Um, I know of a couple comedians who have raped people, but it just, most of it's the misconduct stuff. Most of it's like the creepy borderline stuff that you can't do anything about. Um, um, yeah. Could you, could you kind of go back and explain those three categories then again? misconduct where you're doing some kind of behavior that would probably make a lady afraid to do comedy so like example a powerful comedian messaging a brand new open micer female like and she's creeped out and feels like she can't do anything about it because like she might not get opportunities and obviously like his behavior is misconduct and what was creepy about that you had a prior relationship with that person i didn't know the guy He's just inboxing me to, like, 
flirt with me, trying to fuck me kind of shit. And it's like he knows I'm a comic. Like, and he's a very powerful comic who could do other shit. Like, I don't know. It's just like... So no prior relationship with him. He reached out and said, hey, do you want to be my show? That's not a problem. But then it was something it, else within like, that messaging. It's Yeah, it's just like the implication that he wants to fuck. And it's like, it. it's just, it was creepy. Like, I guess you'll just have to trust me. Like, this guy should not have been doing that. And it just happens all the time where these seasoned comics will inbox, like open micers open micer women and be like blah 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 like come do this come do that and it's like dude just let me get funny like just let me perform like i don't know why you're sliding into my dms like that you know well i mean i'm I'm interested though i mean was it anything specific or was you just like was it just that when he sent that you thought okay dude i can see right through you maybe you're reading into it too much me how do you, how do you know? How do you, why, why did it feel like sexual mis- misconduct? Um, it's a person, it's the same reason why a boss shouldn't sleep with their employee. It's but ex- that's totally different. I'm no, it's about, not. Well, the messaging though, as far as I understand it, he just said, it would on my be, show. it would be like if you're, or it would be like if a boss messaged their employee, like sexting, flirting, and it's still that power dynamic. That's why it's an issue. And that's why it's misconduct. And that's why it would be an HR call. Interesting. So it just, just the fact that it didn't seem right to you, where you're like, I'm just starting out. There's no reason why this season comic would have an interest in me, except for that. He's trying to fuck. Interesting. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it's just the power dynamic. That's why it's not okay. Okay. Um, and then at what point does it become level two? That's when it's a little bit further <laughs> than misconduct. It's more that, like, you're saying no, you're trying to have those boundaries, and they keep coming at you, you know? Like, in, I don't know, at least in my experience, there was physical shit, and it's like, at some point, you just... <sighs> it's just so shitty. Um But, like, especially after studying the law, it's, like, technically, I don't think he even did anything illegal, which is so fucked up. Like, Tell how... Talking about Aziz? No, I'm thinking about the guy in Denver. But Aziz also, like, Aziz technically didn't break the law, I don't think. Like, I don't know. I think this happened in New York. I don't know New York law, but, like, I know it's just fucking... I don't know. Like, I just don't understand how you can say no so many times and like they can keep like asking and then like pushing up against you and it's just like so fucked up dude like why can't guys take no for an answer um especially when it when again that power dynamic it's like dude i'm just trying to go to mics (laughs) like i'm just trying to get funny and it's like why are you coming at me why are you trying to fuck me? Why can't you take no for an answer? It's just shitty. It's just really shitty, dude. So level one is like, hey, let's let's hang out sometime. And you're like, that doesn't seem right. There's no reason that you would say that unless you're trying to fuck me. And then level two is like, grab <coughs> ass. And then level That's three not... is... That's not... Okay, hold yeah. on. You're making... 
it sound like I'm overreacting about the first. No, you're not. Thing. I, I'm just. I'm no, very, no, no. I'm very interested in why the first category gets you. I just never thought of it. Cause I'm trying to think of if I've ever done that category. I feel like I've reached out to women where it was like, yeah, it'd be great to fuck her. But like, I'm trying to think like, now I just never considered that that could be considered okay. sexual misconduct. How long have you been doing comedy? Um, in like four and a half years. How long have you, or how often have you headlined the club? Never. Okay, you've never headlined clubs around the country? Well, no. Okay, so this category, not even an issue for you. You can reach out to any female comic. This would not apply to you. Uh. This is an issue because this is a guy who has power in comedy. This is a guy who headlines comedy works, laughs, like other clubs around the country. And he's sending a message to a brand new open micer has never even been on a show before and um so what about if i if i host a, a show and no I dude fill the spots and i reach out to to you is that that's not misconduct that's okay. fucking like even if you wanted to fuck me it's like <laughs> that's not misconduct the fact the thing that makes a misconduct is like he's asking me to do these things and he's in a position of power and i I'm not in a position of power, but I want what he has. Like, I want to be that comic who's touring around the country. Huh. And if I don't do what he's asking, I'm afraid of the consequences. Huh. So, like, okay. literally, unless you were a headliner, and I'm not saying you can't be someday, unless you were headlining around the country, position of power in comedy, this doesn't even apply to you. You've never done this in comedy. I don't know about your... Uh, so it's different once they have a position of power. Yes. Because of the effect that they could have on yes, one way or the other. Yes, 100%. Okay. Huh. That's fascinating. Yeah. I never thought of it that way before. Um, but then without a position of power, you can do either of the two other categories. Yeah. Is that accurate? Yeah. I would say that. So the other two categories are like, fucking Aziz Ansari. If you read that story, it's that's exactly it. It's just like probably nothing you could charge him for. What was it again? I forget. Basically, he took her out, and they were, like, making out, and she felt uncomfortable. She said no, and he, like, kept coming at her, and kept, she kept saying, like, no, and just, like, a lot of, like, asking, touching, trying to, like, fuck, and her being, like, stop. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah, was That's okay. Um, if you like this, it'll spin more your way. And the added thing to that as a female comic is like these guys are my coworkers essentially and also having a position of power in my case like so this guy was also a headliner and mm-hmm. like I had a boyfriend at the time who was also a comedian in the scene and he wouldn't stop coming at me like kept trying to hang out kept trying to fuck kept trying to like just all this different shit and it's like dude like, I don't know how many times I can say no, like, before you get it. And it's, like, it's just shitty stuff, you know? Like, like we went out to eat once and, like, w- walking me to my car because I wanted to go hit an open mic. He started, like, touching me and, like, yeah, yeah. like I just fucking, it's sometimes hard for women who have been through excessive trauma to like um vocalize uh 
or make a situation stop like uh it's like i know for myself i'll freeze up a lot um when i notice you close your eyes when you say it it's kind of a, a sign it's, it's too much to bear yeah um yeah i'll try i'll stop doing that um no i'm just i'm just an observation listening and noticing and yeah no it was just shitty like and i just like i, I just remember saying like i really want to go to an open mic and like and fuck yeah yeah it, you know it like it's I can see it makes you uncomfortable clearly right like very clearly like he he knew what he was doing he knew he shouldn't have been doing it and like yeah he's not a good guy so we're talking about something yeah that's that's obviously a pretty kind of heavy topic um you don't have kind of you seem a little bit bothered by it, but you don't have, you don't have to- the quite the tone that i would you know suspect you might have especially if you had four separate experiences with it um they all you said you had four times where you were i don't know you said that earlier you had four times where you were sexually assaulted were you was it an exaggeration or something or what four times yeah earlier you said we were talking about louis yeah and i said you don't seem as reactive to that as i would think you were oh. and you said no i've been for... statutory raped four times oh no not stat raped um stat rape has been way more um what really yeah, dude. Oh, my Fucking, God. When I was, like, the day before, so I tried killing myself by jumping in front of a school bus. Um, yeah, th- that yeah, that was at the end of my sophomore year. Uh, I was 16, though, technically at the time. Uh, but the day before that happened, um, I, w- I had sex with some 26-year-old. Um, when, when you were in high school? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But stat rape, fuck it, whatever. It's not as traumatic. Fucking when I was 15, though. Fucking this... Ah, they were so fucking... Guys are so sleazy. Like, I don't know. Just lots of dudes in their 20s and 30s. Um, They're like, oh, she's 15 and damaged. Let's... Whatever. <laughs> uh, sorry. So the times you were um, stat raped was when you were referring to talking about uh, sex under 18. Is that what you're saying? Uh, uh, I'm just trying to understand. That's an intense topic. I'm not sure what to, I'm just trying to no, piece it together. Um, so stat rape is like when you're not like, when you say it's fine, but you're like 15. Um, okay. And the guy is like over 18. So that could be like, he could be like 18 or he could be 26 or okay. 30. Like it's varied. I see. Um. I just trying to connect it to that example then with Louis. So what is it about the thing with Louis that that doesn't bother you so much? I don't know. It's not right. Mhm. What's well, that's encouraging cuz I do like Louis quite a bit. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it's kind of nice to hear that like some women do forgive him cuz it's like, okay, well thanks cuz he did he lived influenced by comedy a lot and he like I definitely laughed my ass off at him, you know. Yeah, he influenced influenced my comedy a lot too, like I, I don't know, like, I don't know why it doesn't bother me as much. Like, maybe it's just my problem, though, that doesn't bother me as much. Like, maybe I'm just that broken and have so little faith in men at this point where I'm like, well, (laughs) at least he didn't rape someone. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) At least he didn't touch them. (laughs) Um, well, let's see here. Um, I, I feel like we could, we could probably call to wrap pretty soon yeah. you want to do that yeah um to kind of wrap it up then um what again were your plugs what, what show do you have coming up um me and sid 
Santiano have the and Amar, Amar, Armani Jones. Okay, have yeah. the suicide show coming up at the end of July, and the some of the proceeds will go to suicide prevention and awareness. And uh, yeah, I'm on Tony V's next Monday. Mm-hmm. We're in two Monday, two Mondays, one of the two. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And uh, how do they connect with you on your your social feeds? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at lions l y o n s dot laura dot e on Instagram. Cool. Yeah. All right, great. It was good having you. It was good being here. <laughs> All right. Cool. All right. <laughs> and we call it a wrap. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Subscribe, please, and uh, go check out my YouTube channel as well. Peace.